To the Juice Wrestling Podcast with the Mountain Man Spike Von Shadow, where we talk about the newest, latest, greatest news in the world of WWE professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. Where we ask the question every week who's got the juice, who doesn't got the juice, and who is the juice? Or who's hot, who's not, and who's burning it down? And just like every Juice podcast, today we're going to be talking about the news and WWE, and also we're going to be talking about this week's Monday Night Raw, all the downs and the occasional ups of Monday Night Raw. So without any further ado, let's get to what happened over the weekend. Kevin Owens returns to social media. Again, he is at his Twitter account, and he's back to going public again. And KO referred to Shania Twain as the reason why he decided to become verified again. Owens wrote in his Twitter bio, I got verified again so that I can beg Shania Twain to play my favorite song when at her concert this summer in Montreal because I'll be there. I'm serious. Kind of lame if you ask me. Also, uh, this past weekend, it was the phenomenal one. Our WWE champion, AJ Styles' birthday. So, uh, big shout out to AJ Styles. Happy birthday, buddy. Also, Velveteen Dream is ready to face John Cena. John Cena was asked by a fan at Megacon that who would he like to face uh, out of Adam Cole, Rich, Ricochet, Velveteen Dream. John Cena picked Velveteen Dream. Especially as, as good and as hot as Velveteen has been lately on NXT, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen that happen. Well, I, at least I'd like to see that happen. I think it'd be a fucking hell of a match. The Dream reacted via Twitter by tweeting, Whenever he wants, the Dream is here. The Dream is here. Also, the WWE announced that Daniel Bryan will face Big Cass at Money in the Bank. Which I don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of burned out. On the whole Daniel Bryan big cast thing, or big ass as I call him. Um, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura will be contract signing uh, on SmackDown Live, which stay tuned for my SmackDown Live review in which we'll talk about that. Also, uh, Sanity made their main roster debut at a WWE Live event. They uh, appeared at a SmackDown Live event in Waco, Texas. They faced Gallows and Anderson. The Good Brothers picked up the victory via DQ after Dane interfered in the match. Another glorious match that we will never get to see. Okay, this is another thing I wanted to talk about today. And uh, I'll get to it here shortly. But one of my biggest gripes is these WWE Live events. Because in my opinion... There are matches in these live events that I would really like to see. And we don't get to see that so much. Also, The Rock gives advice to Dakota Kai. A few days ago, uh, Dakota spoke with WWE and said how The Rock was a big inspiration to her getting involved in wrestling. Rock reacted via Twitter by tweeting, very cool and flattering at Dakota Kai WWE. Thank you. Looking forward to following your career. 
work extremely hard, have fun in the ring, performing for the fans, and always stay above bullshit backstage politics. R-Truth released a new hip-hop single. Uh, that's Endurance. It is now streaming on weonradio.com. All right. Uh, Ronda Rousey's opponent for the Madison Square Garden live event revealed. Ronda will make her Madison Square Garden debut on July 7th. Madison Square Garden has announced that she will face the now Raw Women's Champion, Nia Jax. Which begs to ask the question. If they're going to have a rematch at this WWE live event, what does that mean? Does that mean Nia Jax is walking out of money in the bank with the championship? Or does that mean that Ronda's walking out and they will have the quote-unquote rematch there? Stay tuned to the podcast to find out more. With that being said, let's get to this week's Monday Night Raw. So this week, uh, I wanted to start things off talking about Monday or this week's Raw. I wanted to start off by talking about the big psych out this week, as I call it. The big psych out went out like this. You ask yourself, what do you mean by psych out? Well, we start the show with Elias. And this whole musical montage of the man is falling down. In which, last week, he hit Seth Rollins with a guitar. From the announce table. Which I thought was... Really good. I was really happy with it. Uh, I was ecstatic for it. And so, moving into this first segment, Elias goes on about this song and about how he's going to beat Seth Rollins, in which Seth interrupts coming out to the ring to a round of applause. He comes out to the ring. Eyeballs Elias. And they have this big stare down in which Elias has got his guitar ready to hit him. And he grabs a steel chair. And for the first time in weeks, for the first time in weeks, I had this hope. I was like, you know what? This is interesting. I am liking this. I'm liking this whole Seth Rollins, Elias Angle, they're working. Uh, I love what they did last week, minus Jinder Mahal, Roman Reigns. And I'm thinking to myself, this is great. We're getting Elias with Seth Rollins, no Jinder, no Seth. And out of nowhere. And they were staring at each other in the middle of the ring. Guitar versus steel chair. I was excited. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, hell yeah, son. We're going to get this epic. We're going to get some kind of epic fight right here. And little did we know. Which it's t- I, I suppose it's typical at this point of WWE. Out of nowhere with the psych bitch. When I mean by psych bitch, it was like, oh, psych bitch, you thought. You thought you were going to get an epic segment? You thought you were going to get something exciting? Psych bitch, you thought. Jinder Mahal comes out. Followed by Roman Reigns coming out. Oh. Oh, What started out as something glorious. What started out as something really cool. And I was excited for it. I'm like, really? Really? So Jinder comes out. Starts attacking Seth Rollins. And then Roman comes out. Now, the good thing about what, what follows all this up, which I predicted this in it. Uh, 
problem with with WWE Monday Night Raw, not so much SmackDown Live, but Monday Night Raw. See, this is where my big problem is. Monday Night Raw. Because there's so much just unneeded, uninteresting blah that goes on on Monday Night Raw. But I'm still here to cover it. I'm here to watch it so you don't have to. I'm here to commentate, give my thoughts, feelings, and my thoughts on the matter, and give you an insight into professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. So that you can know, well, should I watch it this week or should I not? I am here to tread through the trenches of the mundane and the monotonous and the exciting and the bizarre. And I knew this was coming. Whether whether I've just been wa- been watching wrestling so long that I can just tell what's coming next or that WWE's story writing is just that predictable. You choose. So, I called this before it happened. Once I seen Gender, once I seen Roman, I'm like, you, you watch, son. You watch. Kurt Angle's going to come out here, and he's going to be like, oh, I like your guy's intensity. Uh, why don't we make this a tag match right now? What happens two minutes later? Kurt Angle comes out with, once again, the You Suck Chance. Which, in my opinion, maybe you feel this way at home. Maybe you don't. Let me know your thoughts, questions, and concerns. At my Facebook page, The Mountain Man, Spike Von Shadow. Let me know your thoughts. Also, you can catch all my other uh, WWE podcasts, all my other wrestling podcasts. But let me know what you thought. So he comes out and announces, just like I thought, just like I predicted, a tag match with Elias, Jinder Mahal versus Seth and Roman. Once again, using Seth's unwavering success and all the hard work that he has put in and built up and all the heat that he's got to cascade that or to glaze that over off to Roman. You're taking your best guy in the company and your worst guy in the company and you're putting them in a tag team. Uh, I guess the only positive in this match was uh, how well, in my opinion, Elias and Jinder worked well together as a tag team. I thought they worked really well as a tag team. Um, And the thing that you could take away from this was that during the match, um, and, and this is one thing that I wanted to bring up. What is up with the referees, bro? Really? Some of these matches, like the referees are all over that shit. Just like I'm going to get to when it comes to the Tag Team Battle Royale. When uh, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Drew McIntyre wanted to stay in the ring. All of a sudden, oh, you get four or five referees that are like, oh, you got to get out. You got to get out. But you got Sunil Singh outside the ring with a steel chair. And the referee in the ring isn't even noticing it. You don't got other referees that are coming to break this shit up. What the fuck is this? Hashtag... What the fuck, referee? I digress. I digress. So, at one point, uh, and I do got to say this too. uh, This week, Booker T and Coachman were both off from uh, from the announce team, from the commentating team. And we get David Atunga, which David Atunga is a fucking tool. He is. Okay? And I'll tell you why, okay? 
throughout this whole Monday Night Raw, he barely says anything, okay? And his, his commentary is lackluster, in my opinion. And it was like he was put in this position specifically to promote and boast Roman Reigns. Because five minutes into this match, David Atunga goes on to say, um, oh, people need to give, give Roman Reigns more credit. They need to give him a chance. You know, he's really put the put in the work against Brock Lesnar. And I'm thinking to myself, like, really? Really? Coming out here and whining like a bitch. Whining about how WWE management is against him. Whining about how he lost against Brock Lesnar. I don't want to hear that shit, okay? I don't feel sorry for Roman. And you putting some tool-ass commentator on here to try to convince me that I need to give Roman a chance? Get the fuck out, bro. Get the fuck out. Whatever. So, outside the ring, towards the end of this match, we got Sunil Singh grabbing the chair in which Jinder slams Roman Reigns into the steel steps. And then throws him over the uh, over the barricade there. In the process of this, Seth is chasing after Sunil. He goes in the ring, drops the steel chair. Seth goes in the ring. Elias drops him with a DDT. Then all of a sudden, the, the referee wants to throw the chair out of the ring. Seth Rollins still fighting this neck injury from last week. He gets hit with that DDT on the steel chair, and then Elias puts him in the drift away for the pinfall. And Jinder and Elias walk to the back, all buddy-buddy, and yeah, we fucking beat you, we destroyed you. And the only thing that I could take away from all this, other than the referees are shit when they want to be, is that... This was meant to portray Elias getting a win over Seth Rollins. Setting up this whole match for Money in the Bank. So, that segment wasn't a total loss, but it, it had a few good points. But what casts a dark shadow over it is once again... Roman Reigns. So we move on from there to another shit segment. Okay. Now, the more I watch Monday Night Raw, the more I just, I become overly dissatisfied with it. And, but here's the thing. I think that hopefully... Now, keep in mind, I'm staying positive here, staying hopeful, that after this whole money in the bank thing is done, maybe we can start to get some real feuds. Maybe we can, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic here. But I'm hoping that after money in the bank, we can actually get some good quality programming going on on Monday Night Raw. Now, this next segment, um, I did laugh, and I did think it was funny, but it's overly and utterly ridiculous. And not from a standpoint that it's good. It's, it's like, really? And, and I get it. You know, every moment of Monday Night Raw does not have to be action-packed and filled with... with exciting, you know, on the edge of your seat content. I get that, and I give them a slice of slack. I give them a little bit of leeway. And I give them a little... Now, there are a lot of people out there, you're like, this was completely trash from the word go. And I try to be fair at the same time, criticize what's going on. As a lifelong fan of wrestling... 
growing up watching wrestling and loving wrestling as much as I do. Uh, I try to be a little bit forgiving in certain areas, and I try not to give them so much shit. That being said, Kurt Hawkins, who was facing a 199 losses in a row, why are you going to put this guy on television, bro? 199 losses? Really? Really? Whatever. So he he's going up against, um, you know, oh, and he says that if he wins, everybody gets free tacos. And the only reason that people will cheer this guy is because this guy is all about tacos. And hell, I love tacos. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love tacos. But him facing James Harden was not my idea of quality television. I'm just saying. Okay, moving forward. And at one point in this match, Kurt Hawkins actually looked like he might have actually won this match. Maybe. In which Baron Corbin comes out, causing a disqualification. And yet another loss to Kurt Hawkins. Hits O James Harden with the end of days. In which this pisses off Kurt Hawkins and he chases him outside the ring. And Baron takes these tacos and smashes him in the face with tacos. And therefore dumping the taco table on Kurt Hawkins. Here was my issue with this segment. Other than it being completely absurd. Um... Once again, week two, WWE is wasting food, bro. Okay? If you know me, and you know what I'm about, and if you listen to my other podcast, you can check out my other podcast. It's called What Is That? You can check us out on Facebook or on Instagram. Okay? We talk about the wildest, weirdest uh, news stories from all over the globe. Okay? I talk about how... I am against food wasting, okay? There's a lot of good food out there, okay? A lot of people put hard work into food. Food is nourishment, okay? Especially if you're an athlete, okay? Food is everything. And last week we had this bullshit B-team barbecue in which they wasted a whole bunch of food there. And then this week on Monday Night Raw, we waste a whole fucking taco table, son. A whole taco table breaking man law WWE and I'm calling your ass out so Baron Corbin leaves the ring with Kurt Hawkins covered in tacos next we move in the back to Ronda Rousey uh, doing some training with Natalia here's my problem with this segment Rhonda looked like she was doing her punches right. You know, she had her elbow, or she had her arm straight and was like this really sharp snap follow through. And like, I felt like Natalia wasn't doing it right. And like, she showed her three or four times in a row. And I, now, maybe to all of you at home who are watching, we're like, oh, Spike, where's the problem with this? Like, here's the problem, son. Okay. Rhonda is teaching Natalia. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Isn't Natalia supposed to be the one who's the veteran here? Teaching Rhonda? And it looked like Natalia couldn't snap her punches at all. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Okay, moving forward. Then we get a backstage segment with Baron and Kurt Angle. In which Baron notifies and lets Kurt Angle know that because of his questionable decisions lately, Stephanie McMahon has made him the new constable to help out with the checks and balances on Monday Night Raw. 
Which I actually thought that was another one of these segments or one of these portions of Monday Night Raw that I thought will uh, hopefully lead to some interesting storylines. Hoping. With him uh, creating diversions and creating uh, creating some drama around Kurt trying to book matches. Who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Then we move from that to Ronda going to commentary. And the Nia Jax versus Natalia match. Now. <clears throat> While Ronda was on commentary, something I noticed. The the questions that the commentary team would ask Ronda, she was very snappy with her answers. And it was almost like you felt like, and, and especially every time the camera would go on her face, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. It's like... She didn't want to be there. She didn't want to be there on commentary. She didn't want to be answering questions. Like, you could tell that she was irritated. Now, I don't know if, if that was part of her shtick or, or part of the uh, whole angle that they're working. Um, but I got this feeling like she really didn't want to be there. And especially at one point, they ask Rhonda, oh, you know, they're saying that uh, that right now that you're ripe for the picking, Rhonda. And Rhonda, and they ask her this twice, and she replies, oh, ripe for the picking is something only my husband calls me. They do that before they go to commercial break, and then as soon as they come back, they ask it again. And she answers the same way twice. And I'm like, okay, if you got that answer the first time, why would you ask, ask that again? Maybe say, um, you know, uh, it, you are going to be going against Nia Jax and Money in the Bank. And some people think this is the opportune time to beat you. You know, you could say something like that. But this whole right for the picking thing, I'm like, really? All right, whatever. So we get some back and forth with Naya and Alexa, or not Naya and Alexa, Naya and Natalia in the ring, in which the match ends with Naya be, uh, sitting down on, on the mat. She was down on the mat. Naya, or Natalia knocked her down. She went off the ropes and was moving towards her kind of kicked her in the back and then went to go off the other ropes and twisted her ankle and comes off the ropes. Naya catches her Samoan drop for the pinfall in which she hurts her knee. She twisted her ankle, which coincidentally enough, it is the same uh, same knee that was bothering her from the Nikki James incident um, a month and a half ago. So I don't know if this is a fake injury, or, or I, mean, I don't mean fake injury, but I don't mean if this is part of the storyline, or this is actually a reoccurring injury that she's facing. Let me know your thoughts at my Facebook page, Mountain Man Spike Von Chat. In which... Natalia is hurt in the ring, holding her knee, taking off um, her boot, taking off her, her knee pad. And at one point, Rhonda comes to the ring. Naya's just kind of standing around like a leaf on a tree until Rhonda comes in the ring. Once Rhonda comes in the ring, then all of a sudden, Naya wants to act like, oh, are you okay, Natalia? Are you okay? In which... She smacks Rhonda in the head at one point. I'm like, really? Really, bro? Okay, whatever. Rhonda gets up and then gets back in her face. And they have this kind of stare down. And in which 
Rhonda goes to check on Natalia, and they both are like, you know, just get away, just get away. We got this. Um, you know. Kind of a weird segment, and you would think that at this point that um, if Natalia has told you and Rhonda has told you to go away, you just kind of leave things go, which leads to an altercation backstage later in the program. But my thing is, you got Rhonda in the ring, and the referee are, are looking at her leg. How come you got, and they end up bringing her backstage, just the referee and Rhonda? If the knee injury is really this bad, where are the medics? Where are the doctors? How come they're not coming to the ring? I don't know, maybe carrying her away on a stretcher. I, I don't know. I don't get it. So, with that being said, that moves us to our next segment. Braun Strowman versus Bobby Roode. Which was, once again, an uneventful match. We knew Braun was going to squash Bobby Roode. And the only redeeming quality, or the only part of this match that I thought was exciting, was Bobby Roode grabbing the ladder, pulling it out, putting it in between the bleacher area and the ring, and trying to trick Braun Strowman into running into this ladder in which Braun Strowman with both fists completely destroys this ladder, which that was pretty cool. Rolls Bobby Roode back in the ring um, for a running power slam for the pinfall. Pretty cut and dry. Next, we move to a segment backstage with Kevin Owens. In which he's saying that the WWE universe is clueless. More blah blah from fat ass Kevin Owens. The if you will, ever since he got his contract signed for another five years, he seems to be even more deranged than normal. We move from there. To a segment backstage with Natalia and Rhonda. Still icing and nursing that knee in which Naya comes up to apologize. And Natalia's like, yeah, it happens. You know, it's wrestling. You know, injuries are going to happen. I did it to myself. In which Rhonda and Naya get into it again. In which Natalia has to walk away saying she's got to get some breathing room. She needs to get some space. We move from that to Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Um, talking about the Woken WWE Universe and getting ready to watch this tag team battle royal and seeing who their number one contender is going to be. Next, we get the cringeworthy tag team battle royal. Now, you got to understand something. I absolutely love battle royals. Royal Rumbles, Battle Royals, one of my favorite matches in wrestling. Absolutely love Battle Royals. And this was one of the worst Battle Royals I've seen in a while. I knew going into this, I had a feeling going into this, that B-Team was going to win this. Because They're going with this whole underdog B-team story, which, in my opinion, the uh, the B-team is utter shit, in my opinion. They're a bunch of fucking goofs who were, were fat cut off from The Miz, the formerly known as Miz Taraj, reformed as the B-team. And they beat Brazongo twice. And why they're going to put them up against Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt and Money in the Bank beats the shit out of me. And in this battle royal, we had the Ascension, Brazongo, Titus Worldwide, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre, who should have won this, the Revival and the B-Team. In which... The B team 
end up winning this some bitch, and Drew and Dolph get eliminated first, which I thought was utter horseshit. And the stipulation rule for this match, which I also thought was bullshit, if one member of the battle of one member of each team gets eliminated, the other has to go too, which I thought was kind of dumb. It should be both members have to be eliminated, and the very last one is the team that goes. It's the only way the B team would actually win this is if it had to be only one member gets eliminated and the team is eliminated. So Dolph Ziggler almost gets eliminated three times before finally getting eliminated. And when they're supposed to go to the back, then all of a sudden Dolph and Drew come back in the ring and start raising hell in which Drew McIntyre was raging a, a, a rampage on everybody in the ring. And then you get four or five referees that are trying to escort them to the back. Which I'm like, are you serious? You mean to tell me that earlier on, when Sunil Singh was by ringside with a steel chair trying to hit Seth Rollins and, and Roman Reigns, you guys weren't anywhere to be seen then. But during this battle royal, when shit was actually starting to get interesting, you break that shit up? Are, are you fucking kidding me? Whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm moving forward, moving forward. Uh, so the Rat Revival gets eliminated. Titus Worldwide gets eliminated. The Ascension gets, uh, Brazango gets eliminated. And the winners of this battle royale were the B team, which I thought was fucking horseshit, but whatever. So they're setting up that Cinderella story for the B team at Money in the Bank. Now, <laughs> the next segment, the next segment, um, I didn't have anything written down in my notes when it came to this segment. Because when I watched this, I was struggling for words. I was struggling to figure out what to say about this. You know, as well as anybody else does, and everybody listening at home. When Bobby Lashley first came back, I was a big advocate for Bobby Lashley. You know, he was in the military. Um, you know, me being a, a veteran myself, um, I think it's cool and I think it's awesome to see a, a, a former vet, um, a former military service member in the WWE. And with what they've done with Bobby Lashley's character, and especially how he how he's been portrayed and how his character is, I've just not been happy with it. And this feud with Sami Zayn, in which this feud with Sami Zayn is spurned off because... Bobby Lashley went to give him a standing suplex, and Bobby or Sami Zayn claims he got vertigo. Fucking trash. This belongs in the recycling bin. Please put this in the recycling bin and give us something different. Because this is not only making Bobby Lashley look bad, but this is making Sami Zayn look bad. And it, it, it's gone so far, Sami Zayn's bringing out grown men to the ring, dressed as women. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to take any of this seriously. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I'm just utterly left confused and disgusted. And this week... Bobby Lashley, oh, but uh, this week something different happened. Bobby Lashley came out to the ring first, called out Sami Zayn, in which that led to Sami Zayn talking about 
Bobby Lashley's Instagram posts and how they're uplifting and inspiring. And I kept thinking to myself, how are you going to spin this one, bro? How are you going to spin some more good that Bobby Lashley's doing and in some chaotic, twisted, cracked mirror view portray this as something deceitful and bad? The angle that you guys are working on this is just utter shit. It really is. And I I don't... Maybe you guys can tell me at home. Maybe you guys understand this. But I don't. I don't understand this not one little bit. The other thing I don't understand is how Bobby Lashley can smile through this whole thing. Every time we see Bobby Lashley, he's smiling. He's smiling. Smiling from ear to ear. And me, I, I smile all the time. And you would ask yourself, well, why would uh, why would you be against that? Well, I'm not a wrestler, okay? And number two, if you're trying to get Bobby Lashley over him being this smiling baby face, it just, I just, I don't, maybe against somebody else, I might, maybe if the circumstances were different. But I'm not seeing it. In which Sami Zayn goes to the extent of uh, goes to the extent of saying, "Oh, I, I under my various um, other accounts, okay, so therefore um, you're lying by having other accounts." In which he keeps claiming that Bobby Lashley is lying, which I don't. <sighs> that that he's lying and that. Bobby Lashley is is deceiving us all, and which, when he DM'd Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley responded by giving him a link to his website, the Bobby Lashley Fan Club, and that he's all about money and, and all this other bullshit, and I'm like, really? And then he goes so far as to say that challenges Bobby Lashley's military career. Now... Um, I feel like that's the overlying thing that Sami Zayn will push the ridiculousness, push it. And then at the very end, he'll hit a nerve and leave on hitting the nerve in which I thought that was too far. Um, I I don't, I, I really don't get and especially Sami Zayn moving further and further and further and further back in the crowd. I'm like, really? What do you I I don't get it. It's kind of annoying if you ask me. And I and I just I feel like the whole military comments I, I felt like that was going too far. Uh, and I'm trying and I'm really struggling to decide what is more cringeworthy or what is more atrocious. The Roman Reigns, Jinder Mahal thing or Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley. I almost think they should have a worst segment on Raw championship belt in which, you know what, fuck it. Have them do a tag team match. Jinder Mahal, Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn at Money in the Bank for the worst segment on Raw championship belt. Um, That would be more interesting. That would be more exciting than seeing Jinder against Roman or Bobby against Sami. Both segments, both matches, I could give a shit less about. I'm... Just saying. Two matches on on the card. Two matches at the pay-per-view that I'm scratching my head as to how this is, is, is happening. I digress. Move on to hour three. Gender uh, getting interviewed and talking about how Roman is jealous and given too many opportunities. 
which I don't uh, disagree with him. Then uh, we switch over to Roman and blah, 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 shit, blah, blah. Check my resume and you walk around here expecting everything handed to you. In other words, the pot calling the kettle black and the kettle calling the pot black. You guys are both shitty characters and really I'm I'm just in which Roman's like, yeah, say it to my face, Jack. And then we get this impromptu gender Roman brawl backstage, which once again I could give a shit less about. Now we actually move on to a, a somewhat decent match. Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, Ember Moon against the Riot Squad. Which this was actually a pretty decent match. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good for the most part. But as soon as Alexa Bliss gets tagged in, she does a few moves. And then she goes to do... Um, she goes to, she doesn't go to jump off the turnbuckle, but she gets sent into the turnbuckle, reverses it, and claims that she's got a hamstring, like a hamstring, calf injury, and literally leaves the ring limping to the back. Now, my thing is, if this injury was really that serious... Why would she just kind of just be limping to the back and not need any type of medical attention? Once again, for the second time on Raw, people claim they have an injury, but there's no medical attention to be sought. I think, just like Sasha Banks says after the match, it's just bullshit and she didn't want to wrestle. Whatever. So then Ember and Sasha uh, continue to face the Riot Squad. And especially the Riot Squad uh, attacking Ember outside the ring. Until the end of the match, when out of nowhere, Bailey shows up. Gets tagged in. Does the Bailey to belly for the pinfall. They're all excited. Ember's excited. Sasha's excited. Bailey's excited. And it looks like the feud between Sasha and Bailey has been squashed. In which they move to the back, celebrating, and they talk to Kurt. Well, before that happens, um, Kurt and Baron are watching this match, and Baron giving Kurt shit about that not being legal, and that if he doesn't fix this and tell them that they are disqualified because Bailey was an illegal member of the team, he'll tell Stephanie. So Kurt goes and tells them in which the repairing friendship between Sasha Bailey, which looked like for a moment was getting better, now has a shadow cast over it. And then we cut from that to Baron giving the referee shit about it. Then we cut to a Special Olympics Team Texas with the big show. And finally, Ben. Ben. <laughs> In which it is what it is. Um, whatever. Um, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens. Now, I felt like throughout this whole Raw that disqualifications and the officiating were very prevalent on this week's episode of Raw, or I guess you could say the theme for this week's Raw, in which Kevin Owens continues to roll outside the ring through a lot of this match, and especially the continued assault in the corner by Kevin Owens to Finn Balor ends up being the deciding factor in this match, causing the disqualification. 
in which the ladder is brought out, put in the middle of the ring. And after Finn Balor wins by disqualification, he does the coup de gras off the off the ladder onto Kevin Owens. Which the the ending of this was kind of just like, what? I'm just like, really? After the match has been called, it continues to go on. And I felt like them calling this on a disqualification for Kevin Owens continuing to beat on Finn Balor in the corner was kind of petty. And I thought was kind of left you like as, what the fuck? We, we've seen this happen before in tons of matches where people are getting beat in the corner, but nobody calls anything. But now you're going to call it like... Ultimately left with, like, what is going on here? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't get it. Um, so just to go over everything this week. Once again, Seth Rollins is the juice. He continues to burn it down each and every week, even though him and Roman lost the match this week. Seth Rollins is still on a roll. But... Out of everybody this week, Elias has got the juice. And especially going into Money in the Bank, he's got the juice. So, um, Bailey has got the juice this week. Coming to the save to Ember and Sasha, even though they were disqualified. And... Uh, think that about does this we all in baron corbin baron corbin being uh the new constable of uh raw he's got the juice as well once again roman and gender have no juice at all kevin owens is lacking on juice as well and especially alexa bliss for copping out of the match bitch you ain't got no juice period Thank you so much for tuning in to my Monday Night Raw review this week. Stay tuned for my SmackDown Live review coming up shortly. And remember, keep the juice flowing, baby. I'm the Mountain Man, Spike Von Shadow, and I will see you next week for the juice.